Do not be afraid, my children, to say of God. To walk in my ways, to pursue the path that I have prepared for you. For I have prepared a path that is filled with blessing. Yes, there will be challenges. Yes, there will be tests along the way. But as long as you listen to me, as long as you look on me, as long as you focus on me, as long as you do this, that I have taught you, you will not fail, for my hand is there to catch you. My hand is there to keep you steady. I will be your strength, that says God. And as you go, I am molding you and bringing you to a position where you'll be able to handle the blessings, the power that I have prepared for you, said God. My favor is upon you, said the Lord. I long and I yearn to bless you day by day. And all you have to do is obey. Just walk in me and submit to my will, said God. And you will find out that what you've given up, you will receive more than what you've given up, said God. Hallelujah. Please be seated with the homily. Praise be to God. We are grateful to the Lord our God that we can come boldly before Him. It is by the blood of Jesus that we are not hesitant in the presence of God Almighty. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. The blood of Jesus takes away all, all blemish, all darkness in our lives, and we are accepted before God. He sees us righteously as righteous as His Son, because we are clothed with the garments of righteousness. And as we come before him, we are grateful for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to teach us. Remember, uh, this is not just part of the service where, you know, I have to give a speech or something. No, this is not a speech. It is during this time that we hear from heaven. So that later on, when the, when the deacon dismisses you after the service, basically what he's saying is, now that you have received instructions from heaven, you have been strengthened by the word, you've been renewed by the Holy Eucharist, you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now go into the world, okay? Go into the world, become a living sacrament. Become the word made flesh. Become someone who's empowered by the Holy Spirit and bring forth the power of God in our generation. Amen? There's the reason why we listen to the word of God. It's not because, well, I got to speak something because that's there, you know? Well, uh, some people say, that there, there are some manuals that say this is not necessary. All we have to do is just go through the entire, well, no, we have to listen to the Word of God. The Bible very clearly says, Jesus Christ says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And uh, this is one opportunity that we should listen to Him, all right? Now, in the many, in the many, uh, in the readings that we've had today, there are many things that we could talk about. But I believe uh, of the many lessons that we could focus on today, I believe this is what the Lord is wanting us uh, to remember. The lesson is this: we should want to please Christ and not to offend Him. We should want to please Christ and not to offend Him. Okay, now according to the Holy Scriptures, in Hebrews 11 verse 6, what pleases God? Faith, alright? We know that love is important, okay? Uh, faith, hope, love, love, faith, hope, these three, they endure. And we know that 
based on Corinthians, based on the writing of St. Paul, he said, the greatest of this is love. Amen? And we should be motivated by the love of God. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, some people all say that St. Paul was the author of this. He says, for without faith, okay, without faith, it is impossible. It simply means there is no way this is non-negotiable. Okay? He didn't say without love. He says without faith. And when we talk about faith, basically, faith is not just saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That is the statement of our faith. But faith is when we believe what God says and we act on the word of God. Amen? Remember when, when uh, there were four friends, they had another friend who could not walk. He was a paralytic. And so they tried to bring him to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Remember that story? But it was the house where he was preaching was full. People were sitting by the windows. People were uh, standing by the doors. There was no way to get in. So, But they still wanted him, their friend, to be ministered, ministered to by Jesus. During that time, houses had flat roofs. And so they went up to the roof. They tore a hole in the roof and they brought down their friend through the roof. The Bible says, and Jesus seeing their faith. How did Jesus see their faith? Through the actions, through the actions of their lives. You understand what I'm saying? So we need to understand what James says, faith without action is dead. In other words, it doesn't produce anything. Faith to be real faith it must be seen in our lives. And we know that faith is what pleases the Lord our God. We want to please God. Amen? I mean, God is not hard to please. Okay? He's not hard to please. He loves us so much that every tiny effort to obey Him pleases Him. We know that God is love. And we, have, we know that he is a God who has great patience towards us. Amen? I mean, we can stick around to God with God all day long. And just, you know, we can say to God, God, I'd like to hang out for you just a bit. God is not going to be annoyed at us. He's not going to be irritated by our presence. We can come to God for every kind of need, whether it's our need or somebody else's need. We, you know, we, we won't ever experience coming to God and say, Lord, I know I've already uh, requested 557 petitions today. Can you still accept 558? And God is not going to say, look, you've already reached your quota. Wait for tomorrow. No, he's not going to say that. Okay. He's patient with us. He loves it when we hang out with him. Amen? As a matter of fact, it kind of, uh, uh, he kind of longs for us to extend our time with him. I've known of certain individuals, and after they prayed, they finished their prayer time, and they were about to leave, and God would say, well, could you spend two minutes more? Okay? So we know God is not annoyed at us. God is not irritated at us. God loves us. God enjoys our presence. But there is something that offends God. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And we do not want to offend Him. If there's anything, all we want to do is to please the Lord our God. Amen? So let's go to our gospel today that we might find this. There are basically two things I'd like to share with you. The first, from the first paragraph, uh, from verse 21 to 23. I guess it gives away what offends the Lord, all right? So from verse 21 to 23, this is the principle. Being mindful of the things of men more than the things of God offends Christ. Being mindful of the things of men more than the things of God offends Christ. Okay? Being mindful of the things of men more than the things of God offends Christ. So that's the first principle. We're going to go back to that. Okay? And then the second principle I'd like to talk about, I'm basing this on the second paragraph, verse 24 to 27, it's this. To consider heaven's rewards more than this world's rewards pleases God. To consider heaven's rewards more than this world's rewards pleases God. Okay? And basically, if uh, before we talk about this, in the first paragraph, the first section, okay, the last verse of that first section, the fir that first paragraph we talked about, verse 23, is the key one. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. In the second paragraph, and we'll talk about this later, again, the key verse there is verse 27 for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works okay okay now let's go to the first uh, principle that we talked about being mindful of the things of men more than the things of God offends Christ okay now let me just read verse 21 here from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Okay? In this particular verse, the one important word that is, well, important, <laughs> the one word that's important is the word must okay he must go to Jerusalem he must go to Jerusalem in other words the thought that the Word of God the Holy Spirit is wanting to convey to us that when it comes to the will of God okay as far as Jesus is concerned as far as God is concerned, as far as heaven is concerned, when it comes to the will of God, the will of God must be obeyed. You understand what I'm saying? There's no such thing as, well, let me see if I can do that. Well, let me see if I have time to do it. Well, let me see if my busy schedule would allow me to do that. Well, let me see if it's part of my plan. No. 
When it comes to the will of God, very clear from the attitude of Jesus that the will of God must be obeyed. And for him to fulfill the will of God, he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be killed, and be raised up again. Okay? It's not an option. Okay? When it comes to the things of the kingdom of God, the relationship that God is looking from each and every one of us is a relationship that is based on trust and commitment. You understand what I'm saying? Remember, God, after baptism, God says, I am your God. I am committed to you. I am committed to be a God to you. Whatever a God needs to do for his people, that's what I'm going to do for you. Because I am your God. You can call upon me. You can expect me to answer your prayers. You can expect me to bless you. You can expect me to deliver you. You can expect me to guide you. You can expect me to help you. You can expect me to heal you. You can expect me to prosper you. I am your God. He's saying, I'm your God. Don't look for any other gods. As a matter of fact, that's part of the uh, commandments, right? You shall have no other gods before me. Okay? Because there are no other gods except him. And to him, he's saying, why look at somebody else? I am your God. You're married to me. I'm yours now. Amen. But then God says, now you're my people. Okay. We can expect something from God because he's our God. But God expects something from us because we're his people. He expects us to worship Him. He expects us to obey Him. He expects us to honor Him. He expects us to give to Him the honor that is due unto Him. He expects us to show up when we gather together in the Lord's day and give Him the worship that is due unto Him. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, really, it's not hard, right? It's not hard. God didn't say, okay, you really want to please me? I want you to offer sacrifices to the seven tallest mountains in the world. And I want you to do it within three months. No, that's, he doesn't make it hard. All he wants to do, you know, show up. I mean, how hard it is, is it for us to show up in church? How hard is it to come on time? Hello? So we need to understand that, church. I mean, he's our God, and we are his people, and we can expect God to be a God to us. At least we can say to God, God, you can expect me to be your people. I'll do what you want me to do. Amen? And uh, if we're his, if we're his, then when it comes to the will of God, we don't say, uh, God, uh, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> let me check my schedule. Uh, let me see if I have time for that. Let me, you know, Father, let me pray about it. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to pray about it? God revealed to you his will and you're telling to God, you're telling God you're going to pray about it. What are you going to pray for? God, I know you said this to me. Now, I'd like to have counsel. Should I do what you said? That sounds so foolish, right? 
I mean, if you hear from God, there's only one course of action. Obedience. Amen? Okay. So what happens now? Then Peter took him aside. Peter took Jesus and took him aside. And you have to understand, Jesus was uh, the one who was teaching that. And during that time, they would understand he was fulfilling the role of a rabbi. A spiritual mentor, a spiritual teacher. And if you were a disciple of a rabbi, you do not go in front of him, okay? You follow from behind. Okay? You do not direct him. If the rabbi is going straight and you think you should be going left, you don't turn him to the left. Okay? If, if he's turning to the right and you think that you should be going straight, you don't forcefully put him back on the path. It's just not done. It's a respect that's given. And so here was Jesus, and all of a sudden he mentions this thing, and Peter takes hold of Jesus and sets him aside. That's a big no-no. I don't know why he did that. Maybe uh, he forgot his place. I mean, last Sunday, did not Jesus Christ say to him, Peter, whoa, Peter, you just said I'm the son of God. Son of the living God. Whoa, Peter. You didn't get that by yourself. You didn't, you didn't come to that conclusion because you're a master of uh, theology. Peter, the Father himself revealed that to you. If the Father had not revealed that to you, you would never have gotten that. Well, if I were Peter, I'd be feeling a little proud, right? Wow, the Father revealed this to me. <laughs> I'm the favorite. You understand what I'm saying? And now, you hear Jesus talking, I mean, you just saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Suddenly, there was light on the inside of him coming out. And suddenly, there was Moses and there was Elijah. And you hear this voice, this is my beloved son in whom I well pleased. Yeah, if I were Peter, I'd think, nobody can touch this guy. I mean, Moses was there. Well, you know what happened to the people who went against Moses? Ten plagues. Right? The entire nation of Egypt could not stand against Moses. And you know what happened to Elijah. When all the false prophets gathered together against this one man, he called down fire from heaven. And you've got this Moses who defeated the whole of Egypt, and you've got Elijah who can call fire down from heaven. Together with Jesus, nobody can touch this guy. Alright? I mean, if I were there, I probably might think that way. Wouldn't you? I mean, if you see someone suddenly shining with the glory of God, it says that he, you know, his hair was as white as snow. I have some white strands, but no matter how much I look at them, they do not look like snow. Okay? And my wife wants to blacken them. She has landscaping features. Anyway, 
What was, what was Peter thinking about? When he was hearing Jesus, I need to go to Jerusalem. There I will suffer many things. I will suffer this embarrassment, humiliation for this crowd. Then they will crucify me. I will die. But then I will be raised up. Peter was probably thinking, he must be having a nervous breakdown. He must have forgotten what happened on the mountain. Did he not know? Does he not know? Does he forget? Is he forgetting that he was surrounded by, by Moses and with Elijah? And I heard this voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son. I, I mean, I might not understand everything about this, but if someone would dare touch my son, it's going to be living death for him. Okay? And now he's talking about going there and dying. What's the matter with him? Has he forgotten what we experience? Has he forgotten that if he dies, then this dream he told us about this kingdom that would be set up would not come to pass? Maybe he's just tired. Maybe he's just weary. Maybe he's just had more stress than most of us. And I, Peter, who heard from the Father that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I have the responsibility of making sure he is brought back to the right path. Look, I'm just guessing, okay? I'm at living. Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. It doesn't say. All, all it says is that Peter took Jesus aside. Okay? He took Jesus aside. Peter took him aside and began to... What's the word? Peter began to rebuke Jesus. And think about this. Rebuke to be corrected in a very firm way. You understand what I'm saying? You know what? Most of us know that when demons attack, we do we whack demons in Jesus' name. We rebuke demons in Jesus' name. Right? We say, get out of here in the name of Jesus. You speak in a stern way. You give a command, okay? You have, it's like you have authority over that. And somehow Peter forgot his place and set Jesus aside. And he what? Rebuked Jesus. What's the matter with you? <laughs> Why are we going there? That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be king, right? You're not going to go there to die. You just told us about this kingdom. Have you forgotten your promise? You're not going to go there and die. He rebuked Jesus. Okay? Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. You understand what I'm saying? This is not going to happen to you. Go to Jerusalem, suffer, die. That's not going to happen to you. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, we, we understand Peter, right? I mean, he's, uh, 
a gung-ho guy, all, you know, all or nothing. But, and he was very sincere, except that at this one point in time, he was really, really sincerely wrong. And so, but he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Uh, okay, what happened here? Was, was Peter demon-possessed? Did Satan suddenly take possession of Peter? No. See, the word Satan is anything that deflects us from the will of God. Anything that is in opposition to the kingdom of God. Okay? Satan means adversary, enemy. You understand what I'm saying? It's the name of the devil who was once the most beautiful angel, the most beautiful cherubim there was. His name was Lucifer, but because he was so beautiful, he became proud and he thought, I'm going to bring my throne higher than the throne of the Almighty. It was because of his pride that he fell down and he became the devil, Satan, or the adversary. And now Jesus rebuked Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Was St. Peter demon-possessed? No, he wasn't. But you have to understand something. The thoughts that you identify with, you identify with the author of those thoughts. You understand what I'm saying? If you, if you identify with the thoughts of God, okay, you're identifying with God. If you identify with the thoughts of the enemy, then you're identifying with the enemy. You understand what I'm saying? He identified immediately what thoughts were uh, moving in the mind of Peter. Okay? So he says, get thee behind me, Peter. Uh, Satan. I mean, he just named him Cephas. You're Simon, but we will call you Cephas a stone. He just renamed him the stone. The one who will bring solidity and strength to the church. Okay? But suddenly, he called him Satan. Why? Did, was he now changing his name? No. He was saying, don't you know that when you identify with the thoughts of the enemy, you are identifying with the enemy? And do you know whose thoughts are those? That's Satan's thoughts. Satan means adversary, any force which will deflect us from the will of God. You understand what I'm saying? Hello? Are you learning something from this? And then he says, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. Okay? The word offense is from the, the word scandalon. It's so scandalizing. Scandalizingly offensive. To even consider not to fulfill God's word. To even consider that there is a better way than God's way. To even consider that man's ways are superior to God's way. That is an offense to Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? And he said, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. For you are mindful of, you are not mindful of the things of God. You are mindful of the things of men. If the things of men are more important to you than the things of God, after you have learned so much from God, that is offensive to God. But if you do not know, God still has mercy. Why was he offended at Peter? Because Peter walked with him. Peter had special time with Jesus. I mean, when Jesus Christ preached to the crowds, and it was now nighttime, it was time to sleep, okay, after dinner, Peter and the rest of the other apostles had 
the privilege of saying, Lord, uh, you said this to the crowd. I didn't really understand what you meant by that. Could you kind of explain it a little better to us? And he would be able to give them some insider information. Information that was not available to the people outside. So they would know more than the others. And if there's anyone that he, Jesus Christ expected to know more, it was them. Remember? Last Sunday, who do men say that I am? Oh, they say, you're, you're, you're ba the Baptist, come to life. You're Elijah or some other prophet. Okay, that's that. Who do you say that I am? And St. Peter was the one who says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, what he was saying, I expect more from you guys. Okay, you've walked with me. You've talked with me, we've eaten together, and I've explained, we have a relationship that those guys don't have. They only hear sermons. You not only hear my sermons, you hear my explanations, and you have my company. Okay, so I expect that from you. Peter was not an outsider. Peter was an insider. He was one of the top three who accompanied Jesus Christ. He, out of, of the insiders, he was part of the inner circle. James, John, and Peter. Jesus Christ asked them to accompany him to the Mount of Transfiguration. If there was anyone who should know better, okay, it was them. Peter should have known that when Jesus Christ said to do this, he was not to question the Lord because when it comes to being obedient to God, Jesus Christ lived his life that way. Hello? And he said, this is an offense to me. We, 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 live in a, uh, we live in a generation where people are offended by many things. In America, there are some people who are offended because the people who are Caucasian or they're white seem to have better privileges than the other people who, don't, who are not white. Some people are offended because some, uh, some are more blessed than the others. I'm offended that you have more than I do. Okay? I remember way back in 2013 when I was hand handling a conflict in Manila, okay? There was a conflict between clergy uh, and, you know, while we were talking about those things that offended certain individuals, this one clergy says, I am offended that you have a house and I don't. But so what? You understand what I'm saying? Okay? I mean... You're offended because your brother is walking in greater blessings than you? Okay. And uh, just a few weeks ago, I talked to this guy. We were not talking about that. But we talked about walking in the financial blessings of God. And of course, I had to mention the tithe, which I assumed he was doing as clergy. Right? And he answered, well, you know, he's got all these things and that. Oh, he was very defensive. He was offended because I mentioned the tithe. No wonder he's offended when someone is enjoying the blessing of God more than he does. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
Okay? This generation is so offended by so many things. I'm offended that you're teaching me Christianity. I'm offended that you're trying to ram down your, your beliefs into my throat. Okay? We think about the things that offend other people. What about what offends God? You understand what I'm saying? When we think man's ways are better than God's ways, and we already know the truth, it offends God. When we think obeying the will of God is an option, it's kind of offensive to him. And we don't want to offend God. What happens when you move into offense of God? There is a lack of favor. What happens when there is a lack of favor? Well, doors have a way of remaining shut when they should open for you. Okay? Things have a way of working the wrong way when they should be working the right way for you. Just this week, my kids applied for a visa. And uh, the agency that we were using belonged to, uh, well, you know, my sister knew the guy who, who owned that thing. And he told my kids, if you want to get a visa, you have to say this, you have to do this. In other words, lie big time. And he especially threatened uh, Maria Sofia. You, you still know her? Yes. Okay, good. All right. All right. She said, you're, you're, you're a new graduate? Oh, no, you're not going to make it. You're a girl, and you're a new graduate, and you're still looking for a job. Oh, that is an awful, you know, you're going to be denied. So if you don't want to be denied, you have to say this, you have to say that, you have to be say you're making this amount of money, you have to say you're a CEO of this and CEO of that, and you've got to report to me uh, for as many days as you're here in Manila so you can memorize this, and so you can give this, uh, this is an answer to the U.S. Embassy. I said, God, what am I going to do? Where I said, well, we're not going to lie. They just sent the, uh, the visa application and it, they filled it out for her. And it says that she is a CEO of this and she was making this big money and this and that. And there's a satellite office there, which I know they didn't have. And she said, they filled it up for me. Well, I said, change it. What am I going to put there? What are you worth? What is your position in this company, apprentice? Put it there, apprentice. We're not going to lie. We're not going to go the way of that agency manager. We are going to rely on the favor of God. It is important for us to have God's support. And if we choose to lie, we're not going to get that. The Lord surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield, not the liars. And we're claiming the favor of God. Okay? We're not going to go the world's way. So they went to the office. I went with them and, you know, he tried to convince me. You know, they had to like, we wanted to have pizza. Finally, it's all over. We left and he talked to my sister and, and he said, 
to my sister, please try to convince them. If they go with the story, instead of my story, they're going to fail, they're not going to get the visa. And my sister told them, you know, the fate of that family is something else. And that's what they're relying on. They went for the they went to the embassy the next day. We were waiting for them in the coffee shop. And I was thinking, what's taking them so long? And then all of a sudden, we hear these three guys singing, Oh, hey, can't you see? So I know we got, they got their visa. You understand what I'm saying? We received favor. We, I told my sister, will you please tell the guy at that agency, we got our visa, but we didn't go with his story. We decided to tell the truth and believe God for favor. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? So we need to understand that, church. If you are going to be okay with God being offended with you, then you have to be okay with things going wrong with you. Because if, if you're moving in the offense of God, then that means you're not operating in favor. Grace. If you're not operating in the grace and the favor of God, then things don't happen the way they should happen. Hello? But if the favor of God is more important to you than anything else, then praise be to God. God's smile can open thousands of doors in your behalf. Hello? Now let's go to the second thought. I'm just going to sweep this because we've run out of time. Uh... To consider heaven's rewards more than the world's rewards pleases God. See, the last verse is what controls this. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. There's some people who are tired of hearing that Jesus Christ is coming back again. But he inserted them. Because if this is not there, the other things that he said upstairs... Will not make, will not be as urgent or will not sound relevant. He says, I'm coming back again and I'm handing out rewards. What kind of rewards? These are rewards I'm handing out to people who choose my purposes over the world's purposes. These are my rewards that I'm handing out to people who choose obeying me rather than obeying. The world. These are rewards I'm handing out to people who choose to sacrifice just so that they can obey me. Instead of putting themselves first, they choose to put me first. Okay? And I'm handing out this particular rewards. And he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Which means, if what you want is in conflict with what Christ wants, then you choose what Christ wants over what you want. In a sense, you deny yourself. If you choose what you want over what he wants, then you've denied it. Right? Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? He says, not only are you in danger of losing blessings and favor in this world, but he says, if you get so caught up in the world, there is a danger of losing your own soul. You lose your soul. You lose your salvation. 
you lose your place in heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello? How many of you follow the lives of celebrities? You know, you like reading about Diana, uh, other celebrities, models. Have you noticed? They live the glamorous life, right? They have their own planes. They have more than one car. They have more than one house. They can get the most expensive suite in a resort in the most expensive place. They can buy whatever they want. They can exchange partners with whomever they want. Right? And, you know, when, when you see shots of them, they're laughing. And, you know, they, they portray a life that saying, this is a life that nobody else can have except us. We are the privileged, we are the special, we are the elites. And I'm so glad you get to watch us because we can give joy to your miserable existence. But have you noticed? They're followed by divorce. Some of their kids are addicts. Sometimes they become addicts. Okay? They have fun, but they're sad. You understand what I'm saying? Doesn't last. There's a guy, his name is Jim Elliot. He was a missionary who gave his life to the natives. Before they accepted the gospel, they killed him. They thought he was a friend. But one of the things he said is this. He is not a fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. What does it profit a man gain a whole world? If in the process you lose your soul. Jesus said, better please the Father, obey the Father, sacrifice what you need to sacrifice in order to please the Father. Walk in his favor, walk in his light. Walk in his mind. Walk in his blessing. Walk in his joy. And don't bother to walk in his offense. Amen. I'm a few learn something. Praise God.